actually for once hasn't been much uh, since college football playoff in January um, and then the shutdown of all the sports but the SEC actually they just set their date to allow kids to return uh, to voluntary activities anyways for men's women's basketball and football and that is June 8th but that's on a per university basis so um, I mean being the SEC in the southeast here uh, most states are pretty open anyways I know especially Georgia we're uh, we're opening it up pretty well right now so I don't see it really being an issue I know the Big Ten um, they said that they won't set a date right now I think they said that um, actually they're just going to let it up to the schools they're not even going to have a conference-wide date but uh you have any thoughts on that or um i mean i know jersey like last week they just reopened everything too like all the sports teams are allowed to go practice or do whatever in their facilities so it's trending in the right direction and i hope it comes back sooner than later yeah but as long as it doesn't affect the virus coming back but yeah right i mean i know we were just talking about it a little bit right before the start of the show here but the nhl was the first uh major league to come out with a return to play um process um which the only thing with that is they won't probably start until july they said actual games coming back i know they said like june they could get some on-ice training, on and off-ice training at team facilities, but uh, probably not till July for hockey to come back anyways. Um, going into the NFL news, though, so we talked about the onside kick proposal, the alternative onside kick proposal a couple weeks ago. Um, Tomorrow is actually the day that it's going to get voted on by the league owners in a virtual conference call. Um just to rehash what it is, essentially, because of how low a percentage of onside kicks are nowadays, um, the Philadelphia Eagles proposed it, and it's going to be a 4th and 15 from the team's 25, own 25-yard line. And uh, a couple changes that they did just recently is they changed it from, it, it was going to be timed, so time was going to be allowed to tick off during that play but they changed it to being untimed now uh, which I think is definitely better especially if it's later in the game uh, but a team can only do it twice per game so if you're down three scores you're you might be screwed depending on uh, the timing aspect of it mm-hmm. but um, and the other change that just got made recently was that you can't use it at overtime and we were talking about that a little bit before the show too saying that it's really not feasible in overtime anyways because the only two options would be to do it after you lose the coin toss and the other team receives and you want to get the ball first so you try to go for the onside kick or uh, you kick a field goal with your first possession and then you want to try to end the game by getting the ball back and with the onside kick there Um, but you need 24 out of 32 owners to pass it apparently they're strong a strong push for it anyways this year so uh do you have any thoughts on the onside kick and how you think it's going to play out here um i mean 
I don't know. I don't know if it's going to pass because a couple years ago, the Broncos tried to do the same mm. thing or similar at least. And, uh, that kind of shut down pretty quickly. So, um, like trying to compare the two, there wasn't much of a difference in the rule right. other than I think the limit of number of times you could do it or whatever. But, um, as I was saying to you before the, before we started recording, one of my favorite plays in NFL history was an onside kick. Mm-hmm. The the Super Bowl, what was it, forty four? Yeah. Uh, that halftime kickoff when the Saints did an onside kick and recovered it. Um, many say that that was the big reason that they won that game, or one of the reasons at least. So I don't know. I kind of like the, uh, I kind of like the onside kick, even though it's not really converted that often, but. I definitely, like, I don't know. I see, I see good and bad about this. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in the XFL, um, and I think it worked. I don't remember how many times it actually occurred during the XFL season. I know it wasn't a lot, oh. um, because most of the times teams uh, were winning by at least a score, and I don't, I just don't think a lot of teams wanted to go for it, but. Um, I don't know. I think it'll be good. It'll be a good option with only having it available twice per game. Um, it'll bring into play more strategy that head coaches have to think about. And, uh, it's not ever going to be a surprise, obviously, because you have to tell the ref if you want to do an onside kick or the alternate, but I don't know. Uh, I think even if it doesn't pass, I think it'll be close. I, yeah. Um, I think there's enough owners that want it just to have an option. But I don't know. We'll see tomorrow, and we'll talk about it next week if it gets passed or not. Or if it gets passed. I guess if, if it doesn't get passed, we won't really talk about it. But <laughs> um, One other thing. ESPN just came out, I think it was on Monday, with their uh, – football power index or fpi it was power rankings but they also had a bunch of other stuff in there too uh some of the things that we have written down here um super bowl favorites super bowl 55 favorites the chiefs the defending super bowl champs are the favorites once again at 21 percent to win the super bowl next year um Ravens are second at 17% Saints are 13 at 13% in third place the first NFC team um, Broncos have the hardest schedule um, along with your Jets second hardest schedule Raiders Giants and Rams are the top five there Colts with the easiest schedule um, Titans Bears Browns and Lions are the top five rest of the top five there the Jags favored the number to have the number one pick next year which i think is interesting because uh i don't know i don't necessarily think i would pick the jags as the favorite for the number one pick i I think they're a little bit better than people think but uh yeah 23 (laughs) percent is what fpi has them favored as the number one pick and the next closest though is the redskins at 13 percent yeah that's a big gap (laughs) 10 percent um and there was something in the article about how Trevor Lawrence uh, going to Jacksonville, what happens to Gardner Minshew then. He still has two years left on his rookie deal. So, or yeah, two years. 
because he was a six-round pick. So, um, Chiefs-Ravens are the highest win projections with 11. Uh, Chiefs edge the Ravens uh, with 11.2 over flat 11 for the Ravens there. And the Chiefs also have the highest percentage to make the playoffs at 94%, which, I mean, I don't... Playoff, making playoff percent I never look into because it's like how can you actually accurately yeah. say that with the change that happens I mean obviously they do take into account everything in FPI but um, yeah playoff making the playoff percentage I don't like very yeah. much and then I, mean, uh, I think we all I think we all expect the Chiefs to make the playoffs this year yeah so yeah um, Jags Going to talk about the Jags once again. They are projected at the least wins, obviously, with the highest percent of uh, to highest percent chance to get number one pick. Least wins would make sense. They're at uh, four point nine in the FPI, and also uh, least playoff percent chance at four percent. Um, any thoughts on any of the stuff that uh, we covered there in ESPN's FPI? Well, just highlighting the hardest schedule thing, like with my Jets, yeah, of course they're going to have the hardest schedule when they were third in their own division and they're facing both Western divisions this year. That's yeah, like that's probably like three or four of the top like five teams right there. So, yeah. I mean, um, and then, yeah, what you were saying before about the Jags, I don't see them getting the number one pick. And even if they do, I mean... I guess it depends on how Minshew does this year, but mm-hmm. if they get the number one pick, I could see them trading it because they have Minshew, like I said. Um, they have way more issues than just the quarterback in Jacksonville. <clears throat> so, um, but yeah, I, I think the Redskins and Jaguars would be flipped there. Um, and then as for the win projection, like, I don't know, I. I see a couple teams getting a 12 or 13 win, so I'm surprised that the max was 11.2 there. Yeah, I mean, I think FPI is usually pretty low on wins. Yeah. Uh, I'm not exactly sure why, but <laughs> I, I think every year there's usually not too many teams that are high 11s or yeah. that get into the 12s when they put their stats out there but then i also feel like the jaguars like win projection is kind of high to be the lowest there at 4.9 so uh it's weird yeah i mean um going back to the the hardest schedule thing talking about your jets i i don't remember uh when i wrote it up here but i might i think i do have them losing all to all four of the AFC West teams here. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. But um, anyways, talking about the AFC West, that's the division we're doing today. I have my Tim Tebow uh, Broncos jersey on here. First round pick. I don't have, I don't have an AFC West jersey, but I got my LaDainian Tomlinson Jets jersey, so representing the former, Chargers. Former right? Chargers. <laughs> um, and that's who we'll start with, the LA Chargers anyways. Uh, first pick here, Justin Herbert, uh, quarterback out of Oregon. They got their quarterback of the future. Then they traded back in with the Patriots at uh, 23rd to get their 
new middle linebacker and Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. Then they didn't have a pick until the fourth round because of the trade with the Patriots. They traded their second and third round picks to go up and get Kenneth Murray. So um, they got a backup running back in Joshua Kelly from UCLA in the fourth. In the fifth, they got Joe Reed, the wide receiver out of Virginia. Almost said West Virginia. Max would have been proud. Um, Sixth round, they got safety Alohi Gilman out of Notre Dame. And then in the seventh, they got another wide receiver, K.J. Hill out of Ohio State. So who's your favorite uh, pick out of their draft here? Um, honestly, I want to say Justin Herbert, but at the same time, I feel like that's everybody's favorite because that would be like the logical choice there. But I think my favorite was their other first-round pick, Kenneth Murray, even though they gave up a lot for him. Mm-hmm. I think he'll pair nicely with the rest of that defense that they have there with Bosa and Ingram and whoever else they have there. Um, Of course, we all know, if you watched our previous ones, that I was really pulling for them to somehow miraculously end up with uh, Jeff Okuda, but that didn't happen. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I think Kenneth Murray will be a nice anchor in the middle of that linebacking core. yeah, that defense definitely needed a lot of help. So, yeah, I think nicely with that. I think linebacker was uh, their biggest need, especially on that defense. Um, and I was in between picking Murray and Herbert here, but uh, I'm going to go with Herbert. Um, I think personally, I like him as the second best quarterback of the class behind Burrow. Uh, I'm not a big Tua believer. He's probably going to. Yeah. Um, he's probably going to make prove me wrong, just like Lamar Jackson did. Uh, I did not like Lamar Jackson coming out either, and uh, you saw what he did last year. But he'll have to sustain that success. That's uh, my counterpoint to the Lamar Jackson believers out there. It was one season. Um, There's a big difference, though, between the two of them, because Lamar right. Jackson never has had an injury yet, yeah. or at least not a big one. Two is still coming off that injury, so... Well, Tua's had multiple injuries, though. Well, yeah. He's had multiple ankles uh, and a hip now. And uh, lower body injuries are hard to come back from. <laughs> but, like I said, he'll probably prove me wrong anyways. We'll see. I hope not. Miami's hard to <laughs> hard to play. But uh, I, the there's a couple issues I had with the Chargers draft here. Um, they traded Russell Okun, their left tackle, for Trey Turner, which was a good trade for them, <laughs> a, a bad trade for the Carolina Panthers. Um, but they didn't replace him though. They didn't replace Russell Okun. They don't have a left tackle. I mean, they they got Brian Balaga in free agency, but he's a right tackle. So I mean, right now they have Sam Tevy and Trey Pipkins as uh and Trent Scott there at left tackle. Don't even know um, who those people are. <laughs> well, Tevy played last year uh, when Okun was hurt because that's what Okun does. He gets hurt and. Uh, he was bad. <laughs> That's why Philip Rivers had a lot of issues last year, especially with interceptions, because he just didn't have the time to sit back there and throw. But uh, yeah, no offensive tackle, uh, and also no tight end for me was an issue, because Hunter Henry's only on the franchise tag. He hasn't signed a long term deal yet. So, and behind him is uh, Virgil Green, who's been a journeyman in the NFL. I mean, he's, a, he's a serviceable backup, but 
with Hunter Henry only being on essentially a one-year deal, I thought they should have went after one, even with a not-so-great tight end class this year. Um, what were your issue or issues that you had with the Chargers draft here? Um, honestly, like, I don't see a corner on there. They didn't draft one. So, I mean, I know they have Casey Hayward and... Um, Chris Harris. Yeah, Chris Harris. But Chris Harris, he's... Like, this is the end of his career. He's not going to be mm-hmm. there for... He might not even be there past this year. Um, even though, didn't he sign a two-year deal, or was it just a one-year deal? Uh, Two, I believe. Yeah. So, like, a lot of those contracts, though don't actually go the full two years, especially for a veteran at the end of his career. So I'm kind of surprised that they didn't go corner at all. I mean, they got a safety, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that was my biggest uh, thing that they didn't really shore up that secondary more than that. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Talking about the fantasy aspect here, uh, rookies, there's four of them. Uh, so, like, Justin Herbert, Joshua Kelly, Joe Reed, and K.J. Hill. Um, I mean, I think uh, Justin Herbert is definite handcuff. If if by some reason you have to have Tyrod or Tyrod, whichever way you want to say it. I know people say it different all the time. But, anyways, uh, Tyrod Taylor... If you have to have him in your on your team, I don't know why you would in a normal like ten twelve person league, but uh, definitely have Justin Herbert there because I he's gonna come in at this point at some point in the season. I don't I don't see Taylor lasting the whole season as a starter. Well, I was gonna say has has uh, Anthony Lynn come out and said anything about that? Whether Tyrod's gonna be the starter or if there's gonna be a competition or anything. Uh, I believe he said even before the draft that Tyrod is their quarterback right now. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't draft him in a, uh, I wouldn't draft him or Herbert in a 10 or 12 person league. If you're in a deeper league, probably you're going to probably have to in a 14, 16 person league. Uh, but yeah, like I said before though, I think he's my second quarterback in, uh, rookie rankings behind Joe Burrow and a great dynasty quarterback though I know I won't go after him because I already have Drew Locke that I drafted last year so I don't need a young quarterback but uh someone will uh Josh Kelly RB3 on the depth chart right now behind Justin Jackson Austin Eckler I mean I don't like Eckler I will I'll talk about him a little bit in the rest of the team fantasy aspect but um I mean, he'll have to battle Justin Jackson. I think Justin Jackson will win that battle easily right now um, because he played last year especially. And uh, But, yeah, no no value right now for uh, Josh Kelly. No, not for Josh Kelly at all. And Joe Reed, K.J. Hill, I, th- I think Reed actually has a decent fantasy value as far as rookies go for uh, the Chargers because he's – he could potentially be the number three wide receiver in the offense behind Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, I mean, right now the 
depth chart that I have has Andre Patton as the as the third wideout, but other literally there's not a lot behind their top two, so I think Joe Reed can come in and uh, not at the beginning of the season, but maybe by mid season be mm-hmm. in that third wide receiver spot there and uh, potentially get some reps and some dynasty value. I don't I don't know if he'll probably go undrafted. Uh, because not a lot of people know him, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I don't know if I I don't I would definitely wouldn't take him in a regular league, but maybe definitely, right. Like you said. And uh, KJ Hill, I don't I don't have anything at this point. Um, and a seventh round draft pick. I mean, he was he was pretty decent at Ohio State, but he wasn't a a top guy. So I, I don't know. I don't I don't foresee him even making the roster most likely. He doesn't have any uh, special teams value. Uh, not with Desmond King as their uh, returner right now, as yeah. as far as that shows on the depth chart, anyways. <laughs> Do you have anything on uh the rookie fantasy outlook here? I mean, yeah, like you said, Justin Herbert's probably the only one I would actually seriously look at. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe Josh Kelly if one of the other guys gets hurt or if he shows up in camp and kind of takes over at least the backup spot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those are the Herbert's definitely the only one I would take a serious look at at the beginning of the season. The other, the other two are probably more like late season acquisitions, depending on what happens with the rest of the team. Right. Um, what do you think about, uh, the rest of the team since you just said it um, <laughs> what do you think the rest of the team's fantasy outlook it looks um, like well you touched on Tyrod nobody wants him so stay away from him um, I I do like Eckler though I know you don't <laughs> but I do uh, that could be kind of biased though because I do have him on I believe it I do have him on our dynasty league um and with him being the starter right now, like, I don't think that Justin Jackson will take over the starting role. I mean, he had his chance last year. Well, Eckler also signed a four-year deal. <laughs> Not big uh, money, but still. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't, I, I really like Eckler, especially in PPR leagues. Um, but, I okay, I do like him, but I don't think he's like a top tier running back though. I mm-hmm. still think he's a serviceable like running back two or flex guy if you need him. Yeah. Um, and then Allen, of course, is well. When it was Philip Rivers at quarterback, he was a definite like number one guy, but with. Tyrod or Justin Herbert, whoever is throwing him the ball, he's got to develop that chemistry first, I think. So right now, I still would draft him, obviously, and I still think he's a decent number one option, but he's more of a number two, in my opinion, right now, for fantasy. Um, Especially with Williams on the other side and Henry, if he does play, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't hold out or whatever. So um, I mean, it all depends on who, the, whoever the quarterback is, decides is their favorite target, who they feel most 
comfortable throwing to. Um, and like I just said with Henry, he can be one of the best in the league, but it depends on if he decides to hold out and wants the longer contract or um, all that. So we'll see. And their defense, yes, is one of the best, I believe. Um, and I was surprised when I was looking the other day that they were free agents in our dynasty league, so I scooped them up. Um, and, <clears throat> yeah, I think that they'll be one of the best in the in the league. Yeah, you, you stole a lot of my stuff, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the QBs are linked. Uh, like I said, both both don't really have any value for me. Uh, Herbert and Dynasty, most definitely. Otherwise, nothing. But, uh, yeah, I don't like Eckler. Uh, I haven't liked him for a while. Uh, he always kills me in fantasy. And um, But even uh, with the expanded role, though, I mean, I do expect him to be a top 15 running back. Um, the only issue, I think, is uh, I there's doesn't seem to be a real, like, bigger back. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what Josh Kelly's or Justin Jackson's um, measurables are, but as far as I know, all three of them aren't. I know Eckler's small. I know Eckler's 5'9". <laughs> so uh, when you look at Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson, if they're if they're six foot and uh, bigger than Eckler, I mean, that would definitely help. The yeah, offense. Justin Jackson is six foot on the dot. Okay, I mean, yeah, that would. I mean, he's going to be their more power back probably then. Um, but one thing I just thought of in my head though is that you really, sh- I really should like Eckler, especially with Tyrod at quarterback, because when you look at where Tyrod has played, Baltimore and Buffalo, both times. Or, well, he didn't really play in Bu- in Baltimore too much. But when he was starting in Buffalo, though, the running game was awesome. Um, and I think that's why he's sort of in that Michael Vick kind of category where he, Tyrod's not the mobile kind of quarterback. He's more of a pocket passer. But it just seems that every time Tyrod's in an offense that the running game's usually pretty good. Anthony Lynn was on the staff when he was in Buffalo, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah he was. He the, knows him pretty well. He so. was the RB's coach, and then he was the uh, interim head coach as well once Rex Ryan got fired. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I agree though what you said about Keenan Allen though. Uh, I have him as a lower wide receiver one. I think he's still wide receiver one, just not as high um, this year, especially without Rivers. And then Mike Williams, I mean, wide receiver two, low wide receiver two, <laughs> high three, uh, because he's so inconsistent. I mean, I have him in Dynasty and uh, started him a couple times after big games, and he just lets me down every time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I loved him at Clemson, don't get me wrong, and I still do like Mike Williams, but he just needs to be more consistent, especially I think this is uh, year three for him. I might be wrong, but it's getting closer to the end of his rookie deal, so he needs to start proving that he can be consist a consistent presence on the outside there. And uh, Hunter Henry, I think, is top five tight end. Uh, injuries kill him though. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, but I do think that he's he's getting closer to the top three. I think he's. Wait, who's the other of the top five? Would you say? I don't even know. I mean, because you got Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Hunter Henry. I think is four, four or five. Um, I mean, I don't even know at this point. I can't think off the top of my head. I mean, obviously you got Gronk. Uh, he's not anywhere near what he used to be. Though. Well, yeah, but he's with Brady now, and you know, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. He's gonna be opened up in the offense with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Gronk maybe this year, but. Other than that, uh, there's not a lot of star tight ends that are coming down the pike. Uh, I mean, I would like to say Mike Gesicki because he was really good at Penn State, but he hasn't done anything in his two years with Miami so far. So, <laughs> Chris Herndon. Uh, yeah, okay, Chris Herndon. From the U. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Ryan Griffin. <laughs> but uh, Their defense, Targer's defense, though, um, I, I actually kind of don't know why I put top 10 here. Uh, I don't know. The the reason why the Chargers defense was available in our Dynasty League, though, Chris, I mean, personally for me, I'm always, I've am i always been iffy on the Chargers defense because they're really good on paper, and the front is good with Ingram and Bosa, but they always like let you down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I have them as my backup defense in there because I have the Packers, so. Hey, I was just happy I just traded a fourth-round pick for the Pittsburgh defense, so I was grade A there, top-five defense. Um, but looking at the Chargers' schedule here, um, week hey, before, one— Before we do get to the schedule, though, there is one position you did not put on the thing that I just thought of, is kicker. And Mike Badgley, their kicker, I got to give him a little shout-out because we did or I did graduate high school with him, so— if he's available in your league, go get him. Yeah, I don't like him either. <laughs> Not with a lot of other kickers that are out there. <laughs> uh, week one, at Cincy, that's a dub easy. Just check it off. It's an easy win. <laughs> um, then they then they come home and play Kansas City. Um, another home stand against Carolina. Then they, got, then they have a brutal stretch. <laughs> you got to go to New Orleans on Monday night, then then you go or no you got you got to Tampa, mm-hmm. and then you got to go back down to the southeast and play New Orleans in the Superdome on a Monday night game. Uh, then you go to New York and play the Jets or no they they're in L A. Never mind I they don't know host, what I said. Yeah, they host yeah. they 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 host the Jets in L A. Uh, but then they got another road game. Uh, they go down to Miami. Um, then they got back-to-back home games against the Jags and the Raiders until their Week 10 bye. Then they have another two-game away stretch against the Broncos and Bills. Uh, they come home for another two games. It's kind of just like flip-flopping again. Um, New England and Atlanta for two home games. Then they finish off at the Raiders on a Thursday night game, home against the Broncos, and then at the Chiefs. Uh, where do you think their uh, record shakes out here? So, for the most part, I think you have it down. Um, it might be me being a little bit of a homer here, but I think the Jets game could be... It, I think it depends on a lot of factors. Um, 
because I don't know the Jets schedule off the top of my head, but depends on <clears throat> if the Jets are going to be. I think actually the Jets are out there back to back weeks against the Rams and the Chargers, so they might stay out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that'll help the Jets a little bit. But if the Jets are traveling back and forth from the east to the west, that'll be a hindrance for them. Um, and it also depends on who the Chargers quarterback is at that point in the season. Because um, the Jets historically don't do well against rookies. <laughs> and I think also Tyrod being in the division with the Jets for a couple of years, I think he I think he has a winning record, record against them. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But I, I still think that's a kind of a trap game for the Chargers because they are coming off back-to-back really brutal games there. And I think they'll see the Jets and be like, oh, this is going to be an easy game. And they'll do and whatever. It, and then I think and it's a short week. Yeah. Short week as well for them. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, the Miami game, I think they'll win. Jacksonville will win. The bye they'll win. <laughs> uh the Denver games are kind of tricky, um, but I think they'll split with them like you have it. Buffalo, they'll lose. New England is a question mark because we don't really know what New England will be yet. Um, but, yeah, the Raiders, I, what do you have them? Do you have them? Oh, you have them splitting, splitting. with the Raiders, too. Um, yeah, that's another one. I can see, I don't, I see them winning at least one. I can see them winning both, though. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think your record is pretty good. Except I, I could see them going nine and seven here. Yeah, uh, I have eight and eight, two and four in the division. I think the whole AFC West, as we go through the the other three teams, I mean, you'll see that I'm just so iffy on the AFC West because they're all pretty good. I think this is one of the, the best divisions in the NFL, and uh, I don't necessarily think that. Uh, it's going to be the first division to put four teams in the playoffs with the seventh seed, uh, which can actually happen now. But uh, it could. I'm not saying it won't because uh, it, it could happen. But, yeah, eight and eight for me. I mean, all the teams, you'll see I have some games that I think are different. Uh, the Carolina game, they could lose. Uh, I think the Panthers are a lot better than people think. Um, that's not just me being a Panthers fan. Um, but yeah, that, that Tampa Bay and New Orleans stretch is, is killer. Uh, the only other games, I mean, I don't know. Uh, I think the New England game, like you said, I think could flip-flop as well into a win for the Chargers, especially being at home. Uh, and my thinking is, is them losing to New England, though, is that Herbert's going to be the quarterback at that point. Uh, I have, in my mind, just... I don't think uh, Tyrod makes it past week six. I think he's done week seven. So Herbert will start. We'll see, though. That's the thing. Herbert could start against the Jets. Um, The only thing I would say against him starting against the Jets would be that it's a short week. One last day to prepare after a Monday night game. Uh, I don't know how much that's going to affect him or not, but then they have to go to Miami. So could that be the first Herbert versus Tua matchup? 
I don't think so because I don't think Tua is going to be in the game at that point with Fitzpatrick yeah, I don't know there. Tua is going to play at all this year. Right. Uh, so, anyways, <laughs> Herbert then might might not make it until week eight. But at that point, do you really want to put him in week eight when he's going to have two weeks and then the bye? So it's kind of a lot of what ifs, where Herbert's going to start. Yeah, um, I think I think the best chance of him starting is week eleven. Um, depending on what their record is after that week nine. Um, like, if it's a lost season at that point, throw him in there. Get him some experience. But if they're winning with Tyrod at quarterback, I don't know if Herbert's going to see the field at all. I mean, I have him at five and four going into the bye, which is yeah, so that, still in contention. <laughs> yeah, that would still be in contention, so I don't know. But then they lose three straight there after yeah. the bye, so... <laughs> Which I, I I think with Herbert there they would do that, uh, especially if you're starting your first game in Denver, in the altitude, yeah. and then you yeah. got to go to Buffalo against that defense the next week. That, that's that's pretty hard to put a rookie in into that situation. Where did he play again? He played from Oregon. Oregon, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's used to like the Midwest and stuff, probably so. But he's not used to the de- kind of defenses that Denver and uh, Buffalo have, <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> especially in the Pac-12, which it's pretty wide open. Not like, not like the SEC or the Big Ten, where <laughs> they got stacked defenses there. Um, <laughs> we'll move on to the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, Las Vegas, by the way, is one of the potential hub cities for the NHL. I'm going to talk a lot of hockey today. Uh, but yeah. What do you mean hub cities? So essentially, not getting too involved in the NHL right now since this is a football podcast. But anyways, um, NHL is going to pick two cities. There's 10 potential um, cities that they're thinking of right now or that pe- the team's kind of put in uh, to be a hub city. And essentially with the 24-team format that the NHL is going to run playoff-wise, um Eastern Conference is going to go to one city. Okay, Western yeah, Conference yeah. is going to go to another city, and they're going to play in those cities pretty much uh, throughout the playoffs. Right. Yeah, and Las Vegas is the favorite to host one of the two conferences since they can host so many teams in hotels. Um, but, yeah, Raiders had two first-round picks. Henry Ruggs, wide receiver out of Alabama, the fastest wide receiver in the draft, I believe. I don't I don't think there was a faster one. Uh, I don't actually have the combine numbers off my head, top of my head. But um, then <laughs> Damon Arnett, uh, 19th overall, was a surprise. I'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, that was the pick, not the last pick, but the last first-round pick from the Khalil Mack trade uh, with Chicago. Then they didn't have a second-round pick, and I think that went back to Chicago in the Clomac trade. Uh, three third-round picks, though. Lynn Bowden, they drafted him as a running back out of Kentucky, but he played wide receiver and then switched to quarterback this past season at Kentucky, and they're going to put him at running back behind Josh Jacobs. Uh, Brian Edwards, the wide receiver out of South Carolina, that was that was the last Mack pick. Um, then they got Another Clemson Tiger, Mike Mayock, loves his Clemson guys. I think he drafted three last year. He drafted another two this year with 
safety Tanner Muse um, at pick number 100, which uh, they got that pick from New England when New England traded up for uh, the tight end Devin Asiasi from UCLA, I believe. And uh, then, like I said, they got another Clemson guy. Fourth rounder, they had two picks. First one was the guard John Simpson out of Clemson, and uh, they got that pick. Um, they traded up for that pick with Detroit. And then um, their other fourth rounder, their last pick, was corner Amiga Robertson out of Louisiana Tech. And uh, they got that pick also in the Devin CSC trade with New England. Um, my favorite pick, though, was their last pick, Amik Robertson out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, I think he'll come in and compete for that nickel, nickel um, slot corner job right away because uh, that's where he fits, really. He's not an outside corner. I think, I believe he's smaller, 5'10", 5'9", 5'10". I'd have to check. Um, but from what, off the top of my head, that's what I think he is anyways. Um, but yeah, that's my favorite pick. What's uh, what's your favorite pick, Chris? Um, honestly, it's their first pick, Henry Rose. Um, <laughs> I know that they <clears throat> kind of surprised a lot of people when they picked him as the first wide receiver off the board when... Um, C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy were both still there. But if you can remember, I was on a roll that night, and I called it before it happened. Uh, So I think that might be a little bit of the reason, but I don't know. This whole draft is just a typical Raiders draft. They went for people that nobody thought that they would Mm -hmm. go after. Um, But, yeah, I think that Henry Ruggs will be a great wide receiver in this league. Um, Maybe if he had a little bit better of a quarterback, though. <laughs> it's a classic but, uh, Al Davis pick. Yeah. Um, I think he'll work out just fine, though. Um, and, yeah, I, uh, I I, just think he ended up right where he was supposed to be. Any issues that, or uh, head-scratching moves, picks you think they, they made? Um, I mean... Like I said, they did a lot of things that nobody really expected or thought about. Like, I am, I, I gotta say, Henry Ruggs is all, both my favorite and kind of my head scratcher because I, I want to know why they went with Henry Ruggs over the other guys. Mm-hmm. But I still think that he's a great fit there. Yeah, my, uh, my head scratcher here is their other corner, uh, Damon Arnett, 19th overall. Uh, I was, way high for me anyways uh when we were doing our pre-draft shows and we were mocking damon arnett he's usually in the third round um but mayock has proven that he doesn't care what people think he's gonna go get whatever guys he wants and uh i don't know we'll see if it works out i mean um right now he's slotted in as one of the starters opposite trayvon mullen so not sure. I mean, I'm sure he will start, even with the limited off season here. But if he doesn't, if he isn't ready, though, I mean, they do have um, Nevin Lawson. He'll be able to. He would be able to start if Arnett's not ready. But I don't know. I think Arnett was a bit of a stretch 
uh, with some of the other corners that were available there. Um, notably, I, off the top of my head, the only one I can think of right now that was there was um, Jeff Gladney was still there. He went to the Vikings in, in the 20s. Uh, other than that, I can't I can't remember any of the other corners that went. In Diggs the, was still there, too, I think. Who? Diggs. Uh, well, Trayvon Diggs didn't go till the second, though. Um, I don't still know. Still earlier than than uh, Arnett was supposed to go. Yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't necessarily. I didn't necessarily like that move by them. But like I said, we'll see. Mayock's a pretty good talent evaluator. So mm-hmm. uh, the fantasy outlook, though, there's three guys here. Um, Henry Ruggs, what do you what do you think about his outlook here? Um, I mean, like I said, he's. Well, I'm trying to think of who they have on offense right now, and I think he might end up being their number one option. Uh, even if it's not right at the start of the season, he'll eventually work his way to be the number one option. Um, especially with that speed that he has, like that elite level speed that he has. Um. Like I, but again, like I said, it depends on who he has throwing to him because I don't know. I'm not a big Derek Carr believer, and their backup right now is Marcus Mariota, who lost his job in Tennessee to Ryan Tannehill. So I don't think they really have that great at quarterbacks, which I obviously is a big part of how well a receiver does. So you want to know who our third quarterback is? Oh. A guy that I have a mini helmet signed by. Oh yeah, right. Deshaun Kaiser. Deshaun Kaiser. <laughs> and then they have Nathan Peterman. The they had Nathan Peterman there too. <laughs> yeah, put him in. He can at least throw it to guys, but just the wrong team. <laughs> um, what about Lynn Bowden? What do you think? Of, what do you think of him? Um, I mean, I don't really know much about him, but I'm trying to think who who's their running backs right now, other than him. Uh, you got Josh Jacobs, Jalen Rashard. Oh, yeah, Rod right. Smith. Had, I forgot they had Josh Jacobs last year. So he's the number one, clearly, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess maybe he can come in and either split carries as a backup or take over as a backup. I don't know. But, yeah, I'm kind of – I don't really know if he'll do much of anything. All right, and lastly, Brian Edwards. Why do you Well, like I said, they don't have much weapons on offense. So, I mean, they got rugs, and then they have, uh, what's his name? Um, Tyrell Tyrell Williams. Williams. Yeah. Hunter Renfro. Oh, yeah, Hunter Renfro. But Nelson Aguilar. Last year didn't really. What? Nelson Aguilar. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I totally forgot they signed him, too. Um, But, yeah. You as an Eagles fan know better than probably anybody that he, uh, yeah, I don't know if he's going to see the field very much. But, um, yeah, I I don't know if he'll really, I don't know if Brian Edwards here will see the field too much either, but I definitely see him as maybe, maybe a dynasty option for kind of like a bench spot for now because I don't really see him playing much unless there's injuries or something. Yeah, I I agree with uh, Brian Edwards. I mean, I mean he could become the wide receiver four 
behind Tyrell Williams, Henry Ruggs, and Hunter Renfro. I mean, I love Renfro. I said that last year, and he's he was a beast last year. He was pretty good for the Raiders. Um, late dynasty sash, like you said, possibly. Uh, but I I think there's too many rookie wide receivers that are uh, going to get more opportunities than he is, especially this year. Um, as far as Lynn Bowden goes, I mean, I think he could be a Cordero Patterson guy in this offense. Uh, I mean, John Gruden is not the best offensive mind, I would say. But he, he has been proven to be pretty good uh, play caller on offense, especially with Derek Carr because he loves Derek Carr. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> but I'm not sure. It depends on how they use Lynn Bowden because I don't really see him taking – a significant um, chunk out of Jalen Rashard's backup snaps because I think Jalen Rashard's a pretty good um, mm-hmm. second option to Josh Jacobs. And then when you look at Henry Ruggs, uh, like you said, he's probably going to be the number one wide receiver here. Um, I'm not sure how productive he'll be, though. I I have to – he has to prove it uh, that he can not just be – the downfield guy. I want to see him run short routes. I want to see him run intermediate stuff. I want to see him run across the middle. I mean, I know he won't run across the middle too much because that's more of Renfro's area, but I need to see him run like speed outs, uh, deep outs, posts. I mean, posts are more of the long game, but um, comebacks on the sideline, hitches. Just I want to see him run a full route tree instead of just a nine just straight ahead go or a deep post or a deep corner or something like that. Uh, but yeah, he's, he also, he's going to have to get used to being the number one too, because he always had um, Judy on the other side or yeah. at least for the last year or so. So like, I don't know if it has, I don't think he's ever really been the number one guy. So, I mean, yeah. So he's going to have to get used to facing against like the, the best of the best. Right. Uh, I do think he's a top dynasty option, though, obviously. Uh, but I, I like Jan- Lamb and Judy better. Uh, I think those are the top two receivers for me. And then Ruggs kind of slides in at I, three for me. I could even argue for Ayuk, too, out in San Francisco. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like Ayuk. I'm not as big a guy on him, though. Um, as far as the rest of the team goes here... Uh, I mean, I think it's a make or break for Derek Carr this year. I'm not sure where his contract situation is, but I'm pretty sure it's getting closer to him being a free agent once again. Um, But I think he's a top 15 quarterback this year with uh, the upgrades at the receiver position. And, uh, I mean, even Lynn Bowden, if they use him right. But anyways, uh, Josh Jacobs has to improve on his, his great rookie year. I mean, like I said, he was great. and But he also has to stay healthy, though. He had a couple nicks last year. But I think he's running back one, definitely. Um, I know our one guy in Dynasty, Nick Russo, loves him because he drafted a number one overall last year. <laughs> but as far as wide receivers go for the rest of the team, I mean uh, – like I said, I love Hunter Renfro. I think he's going to definitely improve in year two uh, and become one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. 
<laughs> even with his small hands that everyone was bugging out about last year when it came to the draft, and that's why he ended up as a fifth-round fifth guy instead of higher like he should have been. Uh, I Still, though, I, he's, he needs to produce more in order to move into the wide receiver two range for me. I think he's still a wide receiver three, but he's a high-end wide receiver three. Um, as far as Tyrell Williams goes, I, I don't really like him. <laughs> I mean, I, he's a wide receiver two for me, though. I still think... Uh, just because of opportunities. And, uh, yeah, I don't really like him, though. Darren Waller, though, the tight end, starting tight end, we haven't really talked about him at all. Um, he showed out last year. I mean, but the only issue with it, like I have written down here, is that he needs to prove he can, he can do it again, though, because last year was literally the first year that he's been in the NFL that he actually did anything. Uh, he had a lot of issues drug-related issues, personal issues when he was on the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the team that he got drafted by, um, and then he came back after a year long of being out of football. And it might have been two years, actually. I forget exactly if it was a year or two. Um, but came back last year and uh, produced I, – I think he's a top ten tight end, though. The defense, <laughs> not that great. I mean, it's definitely improved with all the, the picks that they had last year, picks that they had this year, the, the free agents that they got. Uh, I'm going to start them out in the 20s, though. Yeah, I think that's a good spot. Um, they're kind of one of those question mark teams. Like, they can be good. I still don't think they're top 10, but they can, like, go up the rankings a little bit. But mm-hmm. I also don't think they're one of the worst either. Like I said, they're kind of like the middle of the pack. So I think like the 18 to 22 range. So, so that would be right at 20, like you have it. Um, but, yeah, Raiders defense, I would stay away from if I could. Waller, like you said, is if he can continue on the trend that he was doing last year, he can be a solid tight end option. Um <clears throat> I'm definitely not as high on Renfro as you are, though. Um, I don't know. I'm, not, I'm just never really a big slot guy. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're, like, a big, like, possessive, like, receiver type of guy. But he's not. He's kind of unless a Julian like, Edelman type. I was going to say, unless they're like Edelman, who was, like, the number one guy. Yeah. Um, but Josh Jacobs, obviously, he's probably my favorite of the returning Raiders mm-hmm. um, as you said he went number one in our draft last year um, but yeah Jacobs is definitely a solid number one running back definitely a good number two if you can get him as your number two um, but he has starting like number one potential Derek Carr <laughs> I don't care who the weapons are or whatever. Like you could give him Randy Moss in his prime. I still don't think that Derek Carr would be that great. I definitely think he's at bottom half of the league. Um, because yes, his offense is upgraded or whatever, but I still think the running back is the best offensive player on the team. Which, like, I don't know. It 
uh, Ruggs is a big question mark because he is a rookie. And without the training camps and stuff, if they can't get that going, then nobody really knows how that's going to go. And then, yeah, like you said before, Williams isn't that great. So, yeah. Anyway, mini rant over. But Derek Carr is definitely a bottom half of the league quarterback for me. Um, So I would stay away from him at all costs. But if you think he'll be good and want to take him, by all means. I'm not saying I'm gonna draft him, man. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that some other person could take him, and uh, he could produce okay for you. <laughs> yeah, but I'm just trying to think. Like in a ten-person league, I could probably name twenty quarterbacks I'd rather have than Derek Carr. That's a lot. I don't know. I don't know about twenty. That's a, that's a, that's a bit much. But uh, <laughs> looking at the Raiders' schedule here. Um, it's it's kind of interesting because the Chargers only had two primetime games. The Raiders got four. I mean, obviously it helps that they're moving to Las Vegas. So, primetime. And they go. were supposed to have the draft and everything too, but yeah. now they're having it next year. Um, or two years. Next year. Next year, yeah, that's it. I believe. No, two years. You're right. Cleveland's next year. Yeah. Which should be interesting. That's <laughs> Um... At Carolina, week one. Uh, then they got Monday night in Vegas, their home opener. How do you like that for a home opener? Yeah, they're going to lose that. Allegiant Stadium is welcoming the Saints on Monday night in week two. Um, yeah, wait, their new stadium's domed, right? Yeah. Or at least enclosed? Yeah, yeah so it has, got that one in the bag. Yeah, it has um, glass seal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so natural light can come in. Kind of yeah, like the Chargers. Easy. Kind of like the Chargers in Rams Stadium, except theirs is like a lot more futuristic looking than the Raiders, which is more of a <laughs> traditional like stadium yeah. look. Um, at New England week three, home against the Bills week four. Week five, they go to Kansas City. Then they get a bye week six, which I think is much needed after a pretty hard start to the season um which i have them going one and four into their bye very difficult very possibly go oh and five too true um home against tampa i mean it just get it doesn't get better though home against tampa right out of their bye on sunday night football mind you um luckily they're not in tampa though then they have two away games at cleveland at the Chargers, uh, they have the Broncos at home, the Chiefs at home on a Sunday night game, which I do have them winning, by the way. One of the upsets that people will look at. Um, at Atlanta, at the Jets, week 13. Uh, home against the Colts, week 14. Uh, home against the Chargers on Thursday night, week 15. And then they finish off home against the Dolphins. And at the Broncos, week seventeen, I have them eight and eight, same as the Chargers, but one game better in the division, three and three, split with all three. I think I have them splitting with all three, right? <clears throat> yeah, I have them splitting with all three other division winners. I mean, a couple games, uh, I have them losing to the Panthers, week one. It's in Carolina, so I think uh, that's a win for the Panthers. 
as far as their primetime games go, one and three there. New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and the Chargers are the losses. And then uh, I have them winning against Chiefs at home. Losing to the Falcons, though. That's why I was hoping Rob was going to be on today. I know he couldn't make it, but I do have them losing in Atlanta to the Falcons. But I think it's a flip-flop game, though. Um, I could see them winning in Atlanta, too, because like I've said multiple times before, I don't like the Falcons this year. Um, Beating the Patriots in New England, I think that's another one that they could lose, potentially. That's hard to go in there, even without Tom Brady. Um... (coughs) Otherwise, there's not a lot of games that I think that uh, are kind of iffy. Those are kind of my two that... I think you have them a little high here. <laughs> um, I think that they're clearly the worst team in this division. Um, the Carolina game, though, I agree with. New Orleans, I agree with. The New England game, there's a lot of factors that go into that. I, like We probably will say every time New England comes up... Um, but I do – that's much more of a toss-up game than most of the other New England games, though, probably, because it's early in the season. It's week mm-hmm. three. So if they don't really have time to prepare or anything, then whoever the quarterback is for New England, probably going to be Stidham. He hasn't had – he's had the two games before that and maybe the preseason games to really prepare. Um, so – but, again, it is still – a Bill Belichick-run team. Um, Buffalo, yeah, I think they lose. Lose to Kansas City. Um, <clears throat> come out and lose to Tampa Bay. Cleveland, I think they're going to be a much improved team. And the fact that it's in Cleveland, I think, would give them an advantage as well. So I think that they can lose. I think that the Raiders will lose that. Chargers uh, in L.A., I think Chargers win that. So right now that's gonna be a Raider filled stadium, anyways. Chargers don't have fans. Yeah, <laughs> but still, I think the Chargers are a better team. Um, and I don't think it matters who is uh, the quarterback of that game. Um, the Denver game, yeah, I think they'll lose that one. Kansas City, I think they'll lose. Atlanta, that's a flip flop game, like you said. The Jets. I think the Jets will beat them. Indy will beat them. The Chargers, I think, will beat them. And then they'll beat Miami. And I think that that Week 17 game will be... It won't mean anything other than draft position for those two teams. So I think that the Raiders, at most, will go 6-10. and 10. Maybe, like, I think that they'll end up 5-11, though. I was going to say, it sounded like a lot of losses. He kept saying lose, lose, lose. I, I was thinking in my head you had him at like 2-14 and 14 or something. I was like, well, dang, man. The, the first half of their schedule is really brutal. I know. I have them um, going into Cleveland at 1-5. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh. But yeah, but they they make up for it in the in the back half of the season. It's a lot easier in the back half of the season. I mean, uh, the harder games are going to be Indy. Uh, there are two games with Denver and then uh, KC as well. I don't think the Charger game is going to be 
terrible week 15, well, especially with Justin Herbert on your quarterback. The Chargers, well, there's a lot of factors that go into all these games, but this one too, like, how good are the Chargers at that point? Are they still Herbert will be the quarterback. Yeah. That's why I have the Raiders winning. Or losing. Actually, yeah, I have them winning in L.A. When when Tyrod's still at the quarterback position. <laughs> and then Herbert beats them in week 15 on Thursday night in Vegas. Is coming out game? No. <laughs> like I said, I think he'll be, he'll be in before that. It's just a lot of extenuating circumstances that differ on what week he plays. But, um... Yeah, so eight and eight for me, six and ten for you. What, what was your division record for them though? One and five. Have them splitting with Denver and getting swept by the other team. See, yeah, I think that's different though. I think uh, if they would go one and five in the division, I don't think Denver would be the one that they'd split with. I think it'd be the Chargers. I think Denver's the second well, best just, team in the division. I'm just looking at that week seventeen game because. Like, I think that they lose to Denver. Like, I have it the same way you do there. I see them losing to Denver in Week 10, but I think Denver at that point would still kind of be in the race. But then Week 17, I don't think Denver's in it anymore, so they don't try as hard, and that allows the Raiders to win again. I don't know. I think uh, Denver might be in for that seventh wild card spot there. Uh, but we're going to talk about them right now. So, uh First round pick, Jerry Judy, Alabama wide receiver, 15th overall. Uh, then they go back and get Penn State guy, KJ Hamler, another wide receiver in the second. Three third round picks, uh, Michael Ojemudia from Iowa, the corner. Then they got uh, their second third round pick last year uh, when Pittsburgh traded up for Devin Bush, their inside linebacker there. Um, they got, they drafted Lloyd Cushenberry, the center out of LSU there. Top center available, uh, essentially, if you want to count the uh, Saints first round pick. I can't remember his name for some reason. Having a bad name day today. But the Saints first round pick, center guard guy there. But, oh, Cesar Ruiz. Oh, yeah. But I like Cushenberry, anyways. Uh, McTelvin Agum. Aguim, actually, I think it's pronounced, uh, D-tackle out of Arkansas with their third third-round pick, which was the pick that they got for Emmanuel Sanders from San Francisco uh, this past season. Then their fourth-round pick, I got to look at the to say his name right. Uh, Albert, Albert Okuwebunum, the tight end from Missouri, uh, Drew Locke's old teammate, so... They hook up, hook back up in Denver. Uh, fifth round, they got Justin Cernod, the linebacker of Wake Forest. Then the sixth round, they have the pick that they acquired from Washington last year, and they traded. Or I don't, I don't remember if it was last year or this year. Case Keenum's been on too many teams. I don't remember which year he was traded. Uh, but anyways, they got that pick from Washington when they traded Case Keenum to the Redskins. Uh, and then seventh round, they had two picks. Tyree Cleveland, the wide receiver out of Florida, and then uh, the edge rusher Derek Tuska from North Dakota State with the penultimate pick of the draft at 254. Uh, what was your favorite selection there? Um, 
Honestly, for me, it was a time moving in the sixth round. Because of that, the fact that they got in the sixth round, I thought he was, he was much, much, if he should have gotten much, much, much higher. I know that in a couple of the, um, in a couple of the mock drafts that I had done, he had gone in like the first three rounds. Um, so to see him still be there at six, or in the sixth round, and for them to be able to get Muti, um, I think it was a big win for them, especially with all their holes that they have on the offensive line. Um, but obviously the two wide receivers at the top are also great selections. Um, but it was kind of lucky that they got Judy, to be honest. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think their their best pick was Natani Muti there in the sixth. Yeah, I was uh, in between. This was a hard favorite pick for me. I mean, I was going to go Muti as well. Uh, just because we had him in a bunch of our pre-draft mocks, but uh, in the third round there. And then also, I was thinking about K.J. Hamler. Uh, anytime Penn State guy's drafted, I feel like I have to talk to him, talk about him, not talk to him. Uh, if only. K.J., you know, hit us up. Come on <laughs> our show, man. We'll be glad to have you. Uh but no, I'm going to go with Lloyd Cushenberry. We're going to keep talking offensive linemen right now because we don't talk about the offensive line very often. Uh, Lloyd Cushenberry, center at LSU. Um, like I said about uh, Cesar Ruiz, the Saints' first-round pick, uh, getting Cushenberry in the third, uh, I think that he was up there with Ruiz. I mean, obviously, Ruiz was the number one center uh, or guard, if you want to put him there, but Cushenberry's going to come in and start center day one for the Broncos. Uh, I mean, they already have him on the depth chart as the starting center. So I think uh, he's going to give Drew Lock extra protection in the interior there, along with their free agent addition, Graham Glasgow. Um, and then they also have Dalton Reisner, who they drafted. Uh, I forget if it was uh, two years ago, 2018, I believe, Reisner was drafted. Uh, so they're building a pretty good, solid interior there for Drew Locke so he doesn't have to deal with the pressure, which is good for them, especially with Chris Jones in the division. And uh, I'm trying to think of Raiders and Chargers interior defensive linemen, and I can't right now. Quillen Farrell? Uh, he's a DN, though. They run a 4-3, so he'll be an edge rusher. But, uh, I mean, if they put Bosa or Ingram inside on passing downs for the Chargers, that that might be there. But other than that, I can't. Uh, Brandon Meebane, but I don't think he's with the Chargers anymore. Uh, I, I was thinking that too. I can't <laughs> He's old anyways now, so he doesn't really have a lot of pass rush juice and left anyway. He's just not on the team anymore either. Right. Uh, the issue that I had talking about the offensive line still, uh, they didn't draft the offensive tackle. Uh I mean, they have Jawan James at right tackle, which he's pretty solid. But then you look at left, it's it's Garrett Bowles, who they drafted in the first round a couple years ago. He hasn't worked out. I think uh, I read something that he has 35 holding calls over his first three seasons. Um, That's insane. Yeah, which I think it said was 10 more than any other player over that span. <laughs> so... He has an issue, and the thing is, when you look at who's behind him, there's literally nothing. Uh, guys that I don't know. Calvin Anderson, 
Uh, I mean, I'm kind of looking on at both tackle spots, slots when you look at the backups, but Calvin Anderson, Elijah Wilkinson, uh, and then Jake Rogers. Never heard of those guys. <laughs> and you know for me to not hear the guy, they really have to be a nobody because <laughs> I usually know a lot of guys, especially back in just follow for many years I have. But, yeah, uh, no off a tackle was the issue for me to at least challenge Garrett Bowles. Yeah. Um, I think my biggest issue was that um, I think it was that they doubled down on wide receiver there in the second round. K.J. Hamler is a great player and all, but they got Jerry Judy in the first round. Plus, they already have... um, What's his name? Cortland Sutton. Yeah, Cortland Sutton. And I think that there was much bigger needs than another wide receiver there in the second round. Like you said, <clears throat> offensive tackle. There was still a couple decent offensive tackles there in the available there in the second round. Um, or they could have gotten a quote-unquote better player of one of those other positions that they drafted. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, other than that, though, I mean, I I like their draft a lot. Yeah, I did too. I think uh, the Broncos actually uh, had the best draft out of the division um, with a bunch of the guys that they got. Um, Fantasy-wise, though, looking at the rookies, there's three of them here, or actually four, I should say. Uh, I forgot about Tyree Cleveland. But what do you think of uh, the three wide receivers – Judy Hamler and Cleveland, and then uh, Ukuwe Boonham, the tight end. <laughs> what do you think of um, their fancy well, Alex? Obviously, Cleveland is like he's the seventh round, like last guy, like yeah. probably not even going to make the roster. Um, <clears throat> so don't have to worry about him. Jerry Judy, though, is some people think, and he originally was the consensus number one rookie wide receiver in this class. That has since been taken over by C.D. Lamb, probably, but he's still, Jerry Judy here is still probably going to be one of the top two, maybe top three receivers in this draft class. Um, And I think he's a legit number one wide receiver, even just like right out of the gate. Um, I know you're big on Drew Locke, so like I think, Jerry Judy will just pair really nicely with uh, with Mr. Locke. And I think the two of them will develop a nice chemistry similar to what like Peyton had with Eric Decker and uh, Demarius Thomas back a couple years ago. I think that that offense will start looking a lot similar to that, the offense that they had a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Um, and then KJ Hamler too. He's another one. Um, I'm not sure if he'll be the second or third option though um i imagine he'll be the third to start off with because they already have Cortland sutton there who already has had a year with Locke to uh develop some chemistry um so <clears throat> yeah i definitely would draft judy and he'll probably go in the first round of our draft um it's almost a lot unintended <laughs> um and kj hamler though he's a probably a decent late round pickup 
especially for dynasty leagues. Maybe not so much for regular fantasy leagues, but right. um, and then the tight end, I don't know. Say his I don't really name. know much about him. Say his name. <laughs> or Okwagabunum or something like that. What? <laughs> Okwagabunum. Yeah. Um, yeah, he... Uh, they already have... Um, I'm blanking out his name. Now. No offense. No offense, yeah. Um, and I mean, I guess he could maybe produce as a second tight end, maybe third tight end, I don't know. But I don't really see much coming from him either. Yeah, I agree. I, I uh don't have anything for Okuebunum. Um because of Fant. Even even since he was uh Locke's teammate at Missouri. Mm-hmm. Uh so I think that when he is on the field though, I think uh Locke might look for him more than anyone else, but uh, obviously he's not going to get the bulk of the snaps with Fant being there, who was their first-round pick just two years ago. No, last year. I think it was last year. Yeah, last year because they drafted Locke in the second round, Fant in the first. Um, but, yeah, Jerry Judy and uh, KJ Hamler are starters for me, uh, with Judy being uh, the prime dynasty option. Obviously, like you said, first-rounder most likely – uh, depending on how many teams are in your dynasty league, I know we have ten, so he might even slip to the second with only ten teams in ours. But um, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> wide receiver two to start for me though, Judy. I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver one right away. Um, Hamler's wide receiver three, lower wide receiver three for me as far as fantasy goes. Uh, I think he could be wide receiver two though, so I think he is dynasty draftable, like you said. Um, it would be a late round flyer, uh, no regular leagues, not an option. Tyree Cleveland, nothing. Uh, seventh rounder. There's two rookies in front of him. I mean, that's so hard when you're the third guy drafted in your rookie class, the same position, especially when you're taken five rounds after the even the second wide receiver was taken in your class. Um, it's just going to be hard. And they also do have depth uh, at the wide receiver position now with Hamler and Judy at the top. I mean, you look at their their guys behind um, them. You have Deshaun Hamilton, another Penn State guy who produced adequately since he's been with the Broncos. Uh, didn't turn into a bona fide starter. But you also have Tim Patrick, who the Broncos have liked for a while. Uh, they have Deontay Spencer, who I believe was a rookie free agent last year um, and came in and played a little bit. Um, other than that, though, I mean, those are going to be the guys that essentially make the roster. Uh, five or six wide receivers is usually what you get. So uh, if Cleveland can beat out Deontay Spencer, there you go. He'll be the sixth wide receiver and will play special teams. But other than that, there's uh, nothing for him at this point. Look at the rest of the team, though. Uh, like you mentioned, I love Drew Locke. Uh, he's on my dynasty team, and he's going to win me the chip this year. Uh, I just think he is in a perfect spot. Um, and John Elway surrounded him with a lot of weapons this year. Brought in Melvin Gordon in free agency, so he has a one-two punch with him and Lindsey at the running back position. Um, and I think he'll make the jump in year two. Uh, top 15 for me. 
top 10 potentially by the end of the year. And uh, talking about the running backs, though, I think I don't like the running back situation, though, fantasy-wise. Uh, Gordon hurts Lindsey's value a lot. I'm not sure who's going to actually start because Melvin Gordon's a starter on the depth chart on ESPN. But Lindsey also produced in his rookie year and his second year last year. Um, but I, I know I, I hate committees so much. Uh, they kill dynasty. They kill not dynasty. They kill fantasy value for a lot of uh, productive running backs. I think both of them are RB twos, though. I think you can draft both, uh, but I don't think either is gonna give you running back one numbers this year. Fan, I'm not sure. Uh, he wasn't too great last year. Uh, obviously, rookie. T- it's hard to come in as a tight end and, and produce right away as a rookie. So, I mean, if he takes this next step this year, it'd just be another option for Locke, and I think he'll produce, especially with, like I was kind of referencing with Gronk in Tampa, where he's going to have more room because of Evans and Godwin on the outside. Uh, with Hamler and Judy and Sutton, the fan will have more room in the middle to operate, and uh, I don't think he's top tight end one yet still uh, I think you can get him as a tight end too I'm not sure if I would draft him though still at this point uh, defense is good uh, top 12 for me uh, they're one thing I would say it, they, they're two weaknesses for me though inside linebacker uh, Todd Davis is pretty solid but right now they have Alexander Johnson as the other inside linebacker I don't really know too much about him uh, I would think hope that Josie Jewell, a guy that they drafted last year, would step up into the other inside linebacker spot in their 3-4 base. Um, But you look at their front, they got Jarrell Casey, Mike Purcell, uh, Shelby Harris as their down lineman, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb are still there at the outside linebacker spots. And then uh, the other issue that I have with their defense, though, is the corner spot. They didn't really replace Chris Harris. Uh, they traded for A.J. Bouye, but I'm not really sure where he is since he's been traded twice in three years, I think. Something like that, yeah. Um, I mean, they have Isaac Yidem, who they drafted last year, I believe. Last year or two years ago. Two years ago, I think, from Temple. Um, they really like him. Kareem Jackson at the other safety spot. I'm not sure how much left he has. But uh, Justin Simmons, all pro at safety. The only issue, like I said, is corner, though. I, I'm not sure how their corners are going to be. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you hit on most of this, the point. Um, I mean, I'm not as much of a lock believer as you are, but I do think he's going to be one of the top half quarterbacks um, because of all those weapons around him. Um <clears throat> Yeah, the running backs, like I said, I agree with you with those two. I don't see either one of them really pulling ahead of the other at any point in the season. The only way that happens mm-hmm. is if one of them gets hurt. Um, but I, I would still draft both of them um, at some point. Maybe as your, like you said, running back two or mm-hmm. as a flex option. Um <clears throat> Fant, again, you said it, not 100% sure about him. 
but I think he'll be like like the maybe low second tier, like high third tier of tight ends. And the defense, uh, shout out to their coach and former ESU guy, right? Vic Fangio, isn't that where he is? I don't remember. I think that's <laughs> that's the coach of the of the Broncos. Oh, well, yeah, he's the coach of the Broncos. I didn't remember that he was ESU guy. Yeah, that, that's where he's from. He's from ESU. I am repping ESU though, today, everyone. <laughs> Got that on. Um, but, yeah, he... Uh, I think he'll... Even with their cornerback deficiency, I think that that defense will still be like a top 12, like you said. Um, especially with Von Miller still being there. And... Uh, Chubb on the other side, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, um, their schedule, I, their schedule, I don't know. It, uh, like I said before, all four of the ASUS teams are like iffy for me. Even though I know a lot of people will say the Chiefs aren't shouldn't be iffy, but their schedules are hard. Um, Bron- the Broncos start out, they're the last game in week one. Broncos uh, literally are, have the hardest schedule. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, they're the last game in week one. They have the late Monday night game and ESPN's Monday night doubleheader that they always do week one. But they're at home, though, against the Titans. That's why I have them winning. Um, Drew Locke's coming out party against the Titans. It's it's going to be fun to watch on Monday night football. Um uh, but then they then they go to Pittsburgh week two, <laughs> and they have to they come back home and play Tampa week three. Then they have another prime time game week four in New York against the Jets on Thursday night. Uh, I've been winning that one <laughs> at New England week five, uh, home against Miami and Kansas City six and seven before their week eight bye. They go to Atlanta week nine, to Las Vegas week ten. Uh, two homestand against uh, the Charters in Week 11 and Saints in Week 12. Then they go to Kansas City on Sunday Night Football, uh, to Carolina Week 14, home against the Bills Week 15, at the Charters Week 16, and finish up home against the Raiders. I have 9-7, and 4-2 and two in the division. I mean... I could see that happening, but I don't think it'll happen. Um, <clears throat> I think that they will be the third team in the division between the Raiders and the Chargers. Um, but I think they'll end up going like eight and eight, right in the middle, because, like I said, they do have one of the they have the hardest schedule in the NFL. Um, they're in one of the toughest divisions in the NFL. Maybe even the toughest. Um, and Don't tell me Darnold's going to beat them on Thursday night. I, I wasn't <laughs> going there yet. Um, but I think that game is going to be a lot closer than people think because the Jets overall as a team are much improved than they were last year. Um especially since they're getting their two main middle linebackers back. But anyway, <clears throat> we'll save the Jets for a couple more weeks, and then I can go off on it. 
but the Pittsburgh game, I think, is more of a toss-up than you think mm. because you're a Steelers fan. Roethlisberger's <laughs> going to blow them out in Pittsburgh. The Tennessee game is a toss-up, I think. Um, Tampa Bay, they're losing. Jets is a toss-up to me. New England is a toss-up. Miami, they're winning. I don't think they're beating Kansas City at all. <laughs> Atlanta, the Raiders, like we were talking about, we were talking about, talking about. I think they split the Raiders. But, but, like, like, I think at this point in the season, week 10, when they play them the first time, the Broncos will still be in it. They'll probably be like, what is that, like five and three or something like that. Um, <clears throat> and then I think they will split against the Chargers, lose to New Orleans. I I could see them beating Carolina, losing to Buffalo, and then, yeah, the two division games. So I think all that equals out to 8-8, eight and eight, and I would call that a successful season for the Broncos, considering all the factors. Yeah, a couple of games I'll touch on. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I do agree. I think the uh, Thursday night game in New York is going to be tough. Uh it's gonna be it. It should be a good game though, even though Thursday night games usually are really crappy. Um, <laughs> hey, he saw the Jets last year on Thursday night against the Ravens. Hey, that doesn't count. <laughs> the Ravens, and that was late in the season. The Jets are already out of. That was so bad, man. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> losing in New England. Um, that's a tough one. Uh, other than that, I mean. There's not a lot of games. I mean, winning it against Tennessee week one, I feel like more people would pick the Titans. But like I said, I think uh, Drew Locke's going to have his coming out party, even though he started five games last year and went four and one, mind you, in those five games. <laughs> against, easy against bottom of the league yeah, exactly. teams. <laughs> bottom of the league teams. But he still went four and one. It's hard to win the NFL any given Sunday. Um,. I have the, I do have them winning Sunday Night Football though. Week uh, thirteen in Kansas City. Just mark that one down real quick. We'll wait for wait to see that one come to fruition. Uh, and then losing against the Chargers week sixteen. The week seventeen game in Denver against Las Vegas I think is going to be pivotal. I think the Chargers or I think the Broncos and even the Chargers I think uh, both teams will be fighting for. That seventh seed in the mix, anyways, with a couple other teams there. So I think that week 17 game against the Raiders, they're actually they're really going to need to win that one in order to get into the playoffs potentially. Uh, especially with nine and seven, I think nine and seven is uh, right where that number seven seed is going to sit in both conferences this year. Um, we will head on to our last team here, the defending Super Bowl Fifty Four champions the current favorite super bowl 55 team um winner game winner i don't know why i said team winner game winner uh chiefs kansas city chiefs first round uh clyde edward Jalaire, the running back at lsu first running back taken off the board uh, second round they got willie gay the linebacker out of mississippi state and that was a pick that they got in the D4 trade last year. Uh, 
Third round, Lucas Niang, tackle out of TCU. Legarius Sneed, the safety out of Louisiana Tech in the fourth. Edge rusher Mike Dana uh, from Michigan in the fifth. And then in the seventh, they got Thakarius, uh Bo Pete Keys out of Tulane, which is a pick that they traded up to get. I, I believe they traded back into the draft in order to get Bo Pete Keys there. Uh, what was your favorite selection out of the Super Bowl champs here? Um, <clears throat> honestly, it was their first-round pick, Clyde Edwards-Tolaire. Um, a lot of people expected them to go running back, but they expected them to pick like Swift mm-hmm. or one of the other guys. Edwards-Tolaire was many people's like fourth or fifth running back on the board, so it was a surprise to see them pick him, but... I think his style of play and like skill set fits really well with the with the Chiefs. So I can see him being a legit threat in that already like amazing Kansas City Chiefs offense. Yeah, I mean a lot of people did expect Swift to go there. Um and looking back on, I mean I think like you said, Edward Zelaire, I think, is a perfect fit for Andy Reid's system. Um, Damian Williams is a free agent next year, so Edward Zelaire could be number one running back next year anyways. Um, but, I mean, Andy Reid has compared him to Brian Westbrook. So, and Westbrook is by far, well, not by far, but uh, arguably the best running back in Eagles history. So, when you look at that, I mean, that's pretty lofty standards to live up to. But yeah, I think his his um, system fits well, and Edward Zillaire's talent fits well in the system there. But I'm going to go with Willie Gay Jr., um, second-round linebacker. I really liked him. I, we talked about him pre-draft, um, lit up the combine, was very explosive, and he had all-field issues at Mississippi State. And the thing is, I think he went to a perfect place in Kansas City because Andy Reid has had so many guys uh, kind of as like reclamation projects um, in his time in Philadelphia. I haven't really, I can't think of someone too much uh, in Kansas City because uh, you had the Kareem Hunt thing and they released him. Uh, I mean, Tyreek Hill, they, they stuck with him, but... I haven't. I can't really think of a guy that they actually brought in that had had an issue before. Um, no. But when you look at Philadelphia, uh, obviously Michael Vick, uh, he was great. <laughs> he came back and was great with Philadelphia um, when Reed was there. So I think when you look at that, I think it's it's perfect. Andy Reed knows how to bring in guys, get their yeah. mindset right, get their off the field stuff kind of cleared up. And um, I think he's going to produce maybe right away. I mean, he has penciled in as a starter right now on that defense, which I think needed a lot of linebacker help, especially with the loss of Reggie Ragland to the Lions in free agency this year. Um, issue I had, though, not enough corners. They drafted one <laughs> in the seventh round, and his nickname is Bo Pete. Uh <laughs> And you look at their corners. It's uh, Chavarius Ward, who played well for them last year. He was undrafted. He was undrafted free agent, though. Um, 
two years ago. And uh, they have Bashad Breeland, who's pretty solid, but not the best. And behind them, um, literally nothing. Uh, Rashad Fenton, I I have actually I actually know who he is. Uh, then they have Chris Lamons and uh, Alex Brown, <laughs> Antonio Hamilton, who they signed in free agency from the Giants. So not a lot of. <laughs> Name guys there. Mars Claiborne's not there anymore. Where'd he go? Uh, he's not on the death chart. I mean, he did only sign a one-year deal with them last year, but yeah, maybe he's uh, he, not anywhere now. He maybe could he's be there. I don't know. I, I could check. <laughs> uh, what was your issue, um, or did you have any issues with the Chiefs draft here? Well. Kind of hit on it. They uh, they didn't address probably their weakest position. Well, they did, but not sooner than they should have. Um, uh, I mean, last year I feel like they relied a lot on their offense mm-hmm. and just like outscoring the other team, which obviously that's the like object of the game, but. The like underlying object of the game is to stop the other team from scoring. So, um, I feel like the, the Chiefs a lot of the time found themselves in a shootout or a, a point in the game where their offense had to win the game rather than their defense having to stop the other team. Um, so, yeah, I think they should have gone for more quality cornerbacks, like you said. Um, yeah, looking at their draft, I mean, I don't know if offensive tackle is really that big of a need for them. Uh, I can't think of who it was or what their situation was, but I don't think it was really that big of a deal. Um, and, I mean, they did kind of address the secondary, but they went safety instead of corner there in the fourth round. Um, so, I don't know. But, yeah, black cornerbacks is definitely, like, my number one, like, head-scratcher. Yeah, Morris Claiborne is a free agent right now. Um, but yeah, when you're talking about that offense, offense versus defense thing, um, I mean, obviously they won almost Super Bowl. Uh, but they, you saw in um, the divisional round against the Texans and the Super Bowl, you saw it both times that there's opportunities to beat the Chiefs uh, because when they do rely on their offense so much if you can get up on them early you can win the only thing is I mean, you have to close that's the <laughs> issue you have to keep the scoring up by like four touchdowns they still lost yeah you you just have to keep scoring you can't <laughs> let up when you're playing the Chiefs because there's always that fact mm-hmm. that they can come back from 24 points in like a quarter and a half or uh, a whole half of football. Uh, so, yeah, it or actually they, they did in a quarter against the Texans. They scored 24 points in a quarter. Uh, but, yeah, it you they're beatable, definitely, because I don't think that their defense is that good, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit in the fantasy part. Um, but, yeah, they're definitely beatable especially if you can stop them on offense. Um, 
talking about fantasy, though, there is only one rookie, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, what do you think about him? Um, well, I like him, but maybe not for a regular fantasy because, like you said before, Damian Williams is still there. And uh, I don't know if they have anybody else. I can't think off the top of my head. but Derwin Thompson. <clears throat> yeah, so Williams was – like he did his job last year. He was a great running back for them last year. So I don't know um, how much playing time Edward Scheller actually will get. But um, I do still think he's worth looking at in a dynasty league especially. Um, and like you said, because Williams after this year will be a free agent. So Edward Slayer will then possibly get the chance at being the, the premier back there in Kansas City. Um, but, yeah, we'll have to see how it works out for him this year. Yeah, I mean, you pretty much hit what I had. Um, I mean, he's in a committee this year. I don't think Damian Williams is going to be the definite number one guy. I think him and Edwards Allaire are going to split with uh, Derwin Thompson coming in on passing downs a little bit. And, I mean, they also do have Daryl Williams as well, who was uh, more their goal line back, which I think Edwards Allaire will fill that role more than uh Williams will this year um, but yeah I, I think he's definitely a high pick in Dynasty um, maybe not first round but second round probably um, which I'm definitely going to take a look at him <laughs> I need running back depth uh, but I, I do like him in normal leagues though um, if you can if you want to take a late round flyer on him I mean I don't see it being a bad thing, I think there's a lot worse you can do in the later rounds of a normal fantasy draft than Edward Zolaire here. So, yeah, I think uh, depth option this year, though. Could be a starter in Dynasty with expanded rosters, especially ours when we have 25-man 25, yeah. 25 rosters with 11 starters. Two, two yeah, we got 250 players on our rosters he's definitely gonna be one yeah um rest of the team though what do you what do you think about the rest of the team fantasy wise i mean their entire offense is pretty much like guaranteed like top of the charts um Mm -hmm. mahomes especially he's i i'm trying to think i don't i can't think of anybody that i would rather have as a quarterback than Patrick Mahomes <laughs> um, he just makes the plays that he's supposed to he makes all the plays it's like I I don't really think he not that I could think of that, that really but I don't think he made any major mistakes so like and I don't know his exact stats from last year but yeah he was one of the highest scoring players so obviously I would go for that again um, but okay I'll take my earlier statement back though. The running backs, like we were saying, that's the only position I'd be kind of like questionable about because of their committee. Um, but we'll have to see if one of them seems to take the reins, but I don't see that happening in the Andy Reid offense. 
right. the way like I don't see much changing from last year so I see uh, Williams being like the main guy but he'll still have to split carries with Edward Solaire and maybe one of the other guys um, so I could see them see I could see Williams maybe being a running back too yeah. maybe a flex option I don't know he's not a, one, a running back one though to me um, <clears throat> Hill obviously number one although he did kind of slip up a little bit last year at that time but he's their number one option in Kansas City so maybe not maybe not because of Kelsey 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 might be like a option and Kelsey is by far the uh, I think he's like the best option on that Kansas City uh, offense to pick on fantasy um, especially with the scarcity of good fantasy tight ends. Mm-hmm. I think that Kelsey would should be the number one player looked at on this offense. Um, but yeah, the other wide receivers, eh, maybe Watkins, but he's kind of been a disappointment throughout his career, so I don't know if I'd go with him. Yeah, I mean, I have, uh, obviously, like, offense is loaded. Um they literally didn't lose anyone. Uh, there was one, and I can't remember. They lost a receiver, but I cannot remember who it is right now. I I remembered it when I was writing uh, this up here. But, yeah, there's almost no loss. Actually, no, they didn't lose a receiver. What they did lose was uh, Stefan Wisniewski, the guard, which is the loss that I was thinking, um, which he was is replaced right now with Austin, Andrew Wiley at left guard. So see how that shakes out, if that's the weak link on their offensive line, which I think it probably will be. Um, but obviously Mahomes is the MVP candidate. Uh, once again, a top five quarterback, top three probably people would argue or – top two if you want to put him and Lamar together um, at the top but um, I don't like drafting I don't like drafting quarterbacks early so I won't go after Mahomes in a regular fantasy draft I just don't like it I go running backs early and then uh, quarterback can I'll get I'll get Phillip Rivers in like the 17th round Um, (laughs) or whatever (laughs) and uh yeah, the the running back situation is is muddy. Uh, like you said, RB two though for Williams. I think if you can get Williams and and Clyde Edwards-Helaire together, um, I think it's gonna it would it'd be a good situation if you can have your starter, and then put Williams in as that two, and then if Edwards-Helaire comes along in in the season there and takes on more of a role, then you're you're pretty set. And you could even start on both. Uh, have Williams at RB2 and Edwards Larris the flex if you don't have a better option at flex. Um, Kelsey, obviously, like you said, top top tight end. Top three in the big three. Uh, and that, that, though, that position I would go after early. Like you said, there's not a lot uh, after the top three. And then even if you put Henry and Gronk and... I don't even know who you'd put in that kind of second tier there. Um, but, yeah, 
Wide receivers, though, for the Chiefs. Uh, Tyreek Hill, number one. I don't like Sammy Watkins, obviously. He's just not. I don't know. He doesn't. He doesn't produce consistently. He has. He has certain games. He's like. He's kind of the same thing as Demarcus Robinson. They have Demarcus Robinson as their wide receiver four. And Demarcus Robinson put up like three twenty-point games last year because he scored like two or three touchdowns, <laughs> and that was it. That was, that was those were his couple games that he had, and he'll talk about yeah. those for the rest of his career. And that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be it. <laughs> and, he fooled me. I I picked him up after one of those games. <laughs> I started him, and nope. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, McCole Hardman, though, I, I'm hoping that he takes the next step this year and steps up because they need him to, really. With Sammy Watkins more towards the end of his career, they need McCole Hardman to step into the wide receiver two role. The only issue is is I, I, I'm just not sure how that works with him and Tyreek Hill because they're almost the exact same player. They're really fast. Hill proved last year, though, that he can run more routes. Um I'm not sure what where Harbin is in his route running, but like I said, he needs to prove it in year two in order to supplant Sammy Watkins as the second fiddle uh, on that wide receiver core there. The defense I don't like. <laughs> I've said it a lot. Uh, there, it's just they have Frank Clark, Chris Jones on the front. Willie Gay, like I said, I like I like him at the at the linebacker spot, but with Anthony Hitchens and Damian Wilson as the other two linebackers, I don't know. Talked about how the corners are very bad, or not very bad, but they're not great. <laughs> Safeties are very good though. Safeties: Tyron Matthew and Juan Thornhill. That's that's one of the best safety duos in the NFL. So it's. Yeah, I have them in the twenties. They could literally be like one of the worst defenses, though. I think with Chris Jones and Frank Clark there, though, along with subpar play from their middle linebackers, I think that'll push them towards halfway in the rankings. Though, I don't think they'll be terrible, as I'm kind of describing them to be right now. But Steve Spagnuolo is one of the better DCs in the. NFL and he got him to play a lot better towards the end of the season into the playoffs there. That's one of the reasons why I don't think they're going to be as bad as I'm kind of describing them right now. But their schedule though. Opener Thursday night September 10th against the Houston Texans who we talked about already in that playoff game divisional round uh, the Texans were up 24 to nothing. Chiefs came back in one quarter and then ended up winning the game. Uh, Two away games at the Chargers in Baltimore for a Monday night game. Then they come home and play the Patriots and the Raiders. They have a Thursday night game in week six against the Bills in Buffalo. They have to go to Denver week seven. Week eight is home against the Jets. They'll blow them out. Um, <laughs> week nine is home against the Panthers. Week ten is a bye, and then they have uh, four out of five on the road, 
which is pretty bad. Uh, Sunday night against the Raiders in Vegas. They got to go to Tampa to play Brady. Uh, they have another Sunday night game home against the Broncos. They go to Miami, to New Orleans in weeks 14 and 15. Week 16 is home against Atlanta, and week 17 they finish out against the Chargers. Um, where do you have them record-wise here? Um, I mean, just looking, week one, the Texans will be out for blood because of the way that their season ended. But without DeAndre Hopkins, they're not going to win that game. So I still think the Chiefs win that one. Chargers, yeah, the Chiefs will beat them. Baltimore, I think that will be their first loss. So for the most part, I have the same as you, except – I think they beat Buffalo and Denver there. Beat the Jets. Beat the Panthers. I think they beat the Raiders. I I think they beat Tampa Bay as well. <clears throat> I think the only other losses. So let's see, what would that be right now? I, I right now I'd have them at ten and one. I think through twelve weeks or eleven and one or something like that. So I think. Their their final record will be thirteen and three, only losing to Baltimore at the beginning of the season, and then New Orleans in week fifteen. And I think they'll lose that last game against the Chargers because they'll have this playoff spot already wrapped up, whatever. So they'll have all their backups in. So essentially, they'll be fourteen and two, but that last game doesn't. <laughs> so I think they'll go thirteen and three. Yeah, I I have the same thing. Week 17, uh, I don't think they'll be playing starters that week. Um, yeah, but I, I'm a lot lower. Uh, I, the defense just doesn't do it for me. 11-5 uh, and five for me, 4-2 and two in the division. So they beat the Broncos by two games. Um, the divisional opponents, I believe I have them splitting with the Chargers and Broncos uh, with that Week 17 being one of the games. Um, but yeah, uh, out of their five primetime games, though, three and two, uh, week one against the Texans, I have them winning, uh, losing in Baltimore week three on Monday night, and then losing in Buffalo week six on Thursday night, beating the Raiders week 11 in Vegas on Sunday night football and also beating the Broncos in Kansas City on Sunday night football in week 13 as well. So 3-2 and two on primetime games. Um, yeah, the the losses would shock people, I think. At Denver week 7 is a loss for me. Uh, in Tampa, I don't think that's too much of a surprise, though. Uh, going to Tampa... Even though week 12, what's that? Probably, what, early November? Or mid-November? No, early November, yeah. Early November, late October. Um, It won't be too hot at that point still in Tampa. Uh, So I don't think the temperature will affect them too badly. But still, I I think, uh, I believe highly of the Bucks this year with Brady and even though well see though that's week the thing was actually it's the uh, week 12 I think is Thanksgiving week yep 
that's the thing, though. Uh, last time Brady and Mahomes played, Brady got him in the AFC Championship game. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Mahomes wants to get Brady back, but I, I think Brady and the Bucks will be too much in Tampa Bay. I have them winning in New Orleans, though. Uh, week 15. Yeah. Uh, that's that would be a shocker. The only thing is, I think that one's gonna be flexed. I think that's gonna be on Sunday Night Football. I'm not yeah, sure. Be... I'm not sure exactly what the Sunday Night schedule is that week, but yeah, I think that one will be. You you could be right though. They could be like twelve and two against twelve and two. Yeah, week fifteen. Wow, I just I just did that in my head with bye weeks. Having 14 games together, I know. I didn't even think about it. I was like, we got a team 12 and two. That works. Yeah, that could be 12 and two against 12 and two, or 12 and two against 13 and one, 13 and one against 13 and one. Who knows at that point? But yeah, I think that game is going to be too good for the network yeah. to pass up. And that, that's potentially the Super Bowl preview. So, well, until the Saints choke in the playoffs, like they had the last three seasons. Um, <laughs> that, that's not entirely their fault. Shout out to London. <laughs> I hope he watches this. <laughs> I mean, uh, the Saints losing those three games, only one of them was really their fault. Yeah. <laughs> Last year. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, 11-5 and five for me. Obviously, have them winning the division. You do too. Um and I have you, them possibly being the one seed. So. Well, see, though, that's the thing. Uh, you have the, if you can't have them being the one seed because if they lose to Baltimore, I think that'll be the tiebreaker that gets Baltimore the one seed. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll see when we get to Baltimore. Is that next week? or No, that's two weeks from now. Yeah, that'll be two weeks. Uh, speaking of next week, though, um, we will be talking AFC South, talking Phillip Rivers, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry. You got Sean Watson without DeAndre Hopkins. See how that shakes out in our schedule predictions. Um, and then also you got Minshew Mania down in Jacksonville, which no one really cares about, especially <laughs> FPI, because they have them as the number one pick next year. The lowest number of wins, the least chance to make the playoffs. I kind of hope Minshew proves them all wrong and they make the playoffs at the seventh seed. I know they're not going to win the division, but we'll see next week. Um, thanks for being on, Chris. Uh, as oh. always, make sure everyone to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FA Podcast, and also download us off of Spotify. And we'll see you next week. See you later.